This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. The following program may contain explicit language. It's Tuesday, May 19th, 2020. From Slate, it's The Gist. I'm Mike Pesca. Today, President Trump held a camera meeting. Sorry, I'm at a cabinet meeting where for a second, I thought I heard him introduce Steve Bannon. The C-SPAN transcript actually agreed with me, but I guess I was wrong. And what he really said was, and then Ben and Steve will speak. Okay. He meant Steve Mnuchin will speak. He never, I guess, said Steve Bannon. He didn't actually mistake a white nationalist with anti-Semitic leanings for the only Jewish member of the Trump cabinet, which is good. At least when the president thanked the Treasury Secretary, he also didn't advance any anti-Semitic tropes. There's nobody better with money and controlling money and handling money, so I want to thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Soon, the president was hearing from his HHS Deputy Secretary, Eleanor McCants-Katz. But today, I really speak to you more as a psychiatrist who also happens to hold a PhD in infectious disease epidemiology. Wow, they did it. They found the only infectious disease expert in America willing to attend an indoor meeting while not wearing a mask, where no one there was wearing a mask, where people were separated, but no one was masked. And as the doctor concluded her remarks, a colleague, unmasked, reached over and took the microphone from the unmasked medical expert and infectious disease specialist's hand. And I thank you for the work you've done thus far on behalf of the millions of Americans with mental and substance use disorders. And the president said... Thank you very much, doctor. Appreciate it. Very sobering. That's tough. Oh, if only sobriety were that easy, sir. The president then heard from Homeland Security. Great job. And big fall-offs in border crossings, Secretary Wolf. All you. No extraneous factor to explain that. And then the trade secretary spoke, prompting Trump to say. And actually, we've signed a great deal with Japan, $40 billion. Uh, we've... Uh, created a new deal with South Korea, which was many, many billions of dollars. It was a defective deal. Now it's a very good deal. But USMTA is actually the largest trade deal ever made anywhere in the world. People don't realize. PolitiFact rates that as false, noting, for instance, the European Union signed a trade agreement with Japan, which covered a quarter of the global economy and 600 million people. And the deal that established the WTO accounted for more than 90% of international trade in goods and services. So false. Next, on to questions from the media slash etiquette critiques. I think we've announced a plan. We're opening up our country. Just a rude person you are. We're opening up our country. You know, I, I almost didn't know where to end with this one because it never ends. Trump said four or five things that for a normal politician in a normal time of abnormal crisis would doom the guy, but not Trump, never Trump. So when he says this... So when we have a lot of cases, I don't look at that as a bad thing. I look at that as in a certain respect, as being a good thing. That should be a bad thing. But to his fans, his base, for the overall goal of confusion itself, it's to a certain extent a good thing. Anyway, it doesn't hurt him, or at least he thinks it won't, though that just might be the hydroxychloroquine talking. On the show today in the spiel, we get morbidly presidential. But first, 
Maria Konnikova is here to talk about UV. Donald Trump has praised all sorts of UVs, unlikely vaccines, unintimidated Virginians, and his belief that he'll be ultimately vindicated. But the UVs we're discussing are ultraviolet lights. And sure, while they don't work in the way the president suggested, how do they work? What effect can they have on the body? Supposing we don't shine it internally, but take a step back and discuss it rationally. Supposing that. Okay, Maria Konnikova is, I see, nodding. So that's up next. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. UV light, or as the experts tell me it's pronounced of, hold on, no, it is UV, ultraviolet. Some experts say not only is this a potential cure for the coronavirus, but maybe UV light on the inside. I don't want to get ahead of myself because that would be irresponsible. And I do have a very well-attended to, well-listened-to perch here on The Gist. It would be extremely wrong for me to tell my listeners that perhaps UV light inside the body could work. I mean, could it work or is that bullshit? This brings Maria Konnikova on. Maria Konnikova is the author of The Biggest Bluff. I used to say the forthcoming The Biggest Bluff, but Maria, is The Biggest Bluff out now? The Biggest Bluff will be, it's still forthcoming, but it's now out Damn. in a few weeks. It's almost there, guys. It's almost there. So to prep for your big book tour about becoming a professional poker player, have you been blasting your innards with UV light? Absolutely. Absolutely. Every day, it's multiple good. times. Yeah. I'm feeling very yeah. healthy. It's like one of those chambers. <laughs> um, by the way, guys, after an injury. if anyone is taking this seriously, do not blast anything with UV light. That is All a body right, so part. Let's get, let's get into it. What, I don't want to even ask you what was the president saying, but let's just talk about the effects of UV light, how it might have, what it might have on the coronavirus, what it might have on any viruses. So what do we know about that? What does UV light do to viruses? Absolutely. So there are, and we've talked about this a little bit before when we had an Is That Bullshit segment on sunscreen and whether or not you mm -hmm. should be wearing sunscreen. So there are a few different types of UV light. There's UVA, UVB, and UVC. When you're out, UVC uh, offers excellent deals on like towels and uh, and, <laughs> cool. and thigh master gadgets. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That's the, that's the exact UVC we're talking about. Mm -hmm. So UVA and UVB is the stuff that comes from the sun. That's what you get when you go outside. That's what gives you sunburns. UVC is actually blocked by the atmosphere. So normally when you go outside, you don't get any UVC light. And UVC light is shorter. It's a shorter wavelength than the other two. And we've talked about this before. You know, wear sunscreen, kids. That, yes, you need vitamin D, but that UVA, UVB can really screw with your cells and give rise to cancer and all sorts of stuff that you don't actually want. And so the idea is that because UV light can actually, you know, screw with your cells, that it can also screw with the genetic material in viruses. Um, and 
basically kill it because it prevents it from reproducing because it you know mangles and screws up um, all of the stuff in the DNA and the RNA and the viruses. Uh huh. Is this just kind of like a random hail mary? Well, it's a chaos agent. Maybe it'll be no, a chaos no. Agent so this has actually so. Way back when, in the 1930s, people had the idea that, hey, maybe this can actually work. So I found a paper um, that was published in 1941, and it was based on studies that were done in 1937 in the Philadelphia school system, where they installed UVC lights, but basically above the classroom in a way that it doesn't actually hit anyone, and they cleaned classrooms with this UVC light. And they found that the classrooms that had the UVC light had lower measles infections. Interesting. Yeah. And also some other diseases like smallpox. But the biggest thing was measles. Um, And basically, when you had those ultraviolet fixtures, you had people not becoming sick. And when you didn't have them, over half the students who hadn't had any immunity to it became sick. So that was a pretty Hmm. striking difference. Now, I do want to point out that these lights never hit the students directly. They were installed very high up, and they don't actually catch all the virus. But since those studies in the 30s, they've been used in some hospital settings, in homeless shelters, basically in a lot of places, even in some subway cars, but not when riders are on them, because it's been shown that it actually does damage and irritate the eyes, the skin, that it's not great for humans. But if you basically blast the space when no one's in it, it's been used for hospital rooms in between patients. It does manage to kill a lot of viruses, a lot of bacteria, not 100%, but most of it. And is the reason they haven't become more widespread that we don't say, oh yeah, sure, UVs in the subway, UV lights in mass settings is because we've developed um, vaccines that are much more efficient at killing measles? Well, um, the reason I think that you haven't had these types of lights everywhere is that, first of all, in order to have the ones that were used in the past installed, you can't have it shining directly on humans. So they're installed under the ceilings and there are problems in a lot of spaces with ventilation. And you don't actually even know if it's going to, unless you irradiate the entire space when no one's in it, if you just have those lights on when people are there, but they just get kind of those upper stretches of air, if there's not adequate air circulation, if the virus actually never makes it up that high, um, if there are pockets where the virus is not circulating because air just happens to not be circulating there, then it's not going to die because the light has to shine on it for that to happen. It has to kind of go up and actually hit the light. And so different spaces have different circulation, different spaces have different aerodynamics. And so it's not a guarantee. Plus it's expensive and it has to be on and electricity bills are high and All of this is high and people are scared of UV. And so if you're telling people wear sunscreen, oh, by the way, we have these UV lights, they don't actually hit you, but they're on the ceiling kind of at a a different level from you, it can still be a little bit scary. And yes, now for smallpox and things like that, we do have vaccines and those are very effective. Okay. So it seems like there are some cases where it could work. Going back 80 years, that study you cited in the Philadelphia schools, Mm -hmm. it has worked. But uh, suppose this, supposing you brought the light inside of the body, Maria, 
how would that go? <laughs> that would not go well. Um, and Why is that? <laughs> because that would kill your cells. Oh, I see. Yeah. So, and, the, and to recap, the cells are things we need? We do need them, <laughs> yes. But I do want to actually talk about some new research that's happening right okay. now at Columbia. So okay. there's a researcher whose name is David Brenner, and he is researching something called far UVC light. And just caveat, this is still, he's testing it. It's still in the test phase. But so far, it seems to be safe for humans. So we can imagine a world where you basically have these lamps on the ceiling instead of fluorescent lights or whatnot, or in addition to, but they basically just zap indoor spaces and they kill viruses. And so, so far, um, he's been testing them and has found that it's been effective at eradicating two different types of seasonal coronaviruses, not COVID, but um, the ones that are the most common ones that cause coughs and colds. So, so right. far, it's... Uh, the, one, the ones that aren't causing this huge pandemic that's affecting exactly. everybody's life as we know it, those ones, yeah. Exactly. The ones that are combated with uh, Kleenex puffs. <laughs> yes, those. <laughs> um, and he also found that it's effective against H1N1 flu. So far, they haven't seen damage on animals. So it's one of these things where you still, you know, like I said, still researching it, still seeing what's going to happen, but it seems to show promise, but it's not going to be, I don't think it's going to be rolled out anytime in the next few years, but potentially in the future, this is something that spaces could consider that could basically kill the virus just seconds after someone coughs or sneezes or whatnot, spreads it into the air. Yeah. Not the virus, but the lesser virus, yes. the virus we've come to know and live with. Yeah. Exactly. And the far UVC light um, is the shortest wavelength, actually. It's even shorter than normal UVC. So because of that, it can't damage, they think, living human cells. So there was, after our president spitballed some ideas about using light maybe inside the body, supposing... Some of his backers found that there is some study going on with Cedar sinai and an outfit called A2 Bioscience, which involved treating coronavirus patients by injecting UVA lights into the lungs via catheter tubes. But it's like early and preliminary and an idea and quote, the technology has not been tested or used on patients. So it has so many disclaimers that I would venture to say that this is not what the president had in mind when he started talking about injecting lights inside the skin. Probably not. I think that that's probably, probably a safe assumption. Yes. What else do you think we should hit on with this? Well, Japan now has this really cool UV light robot. Oh, oh. Yeah, which is going around and disinfecting hospitals. It's made by a medical equipment maker, um, and it also emits this UVC light, um, the shorter wavelength. And so far, it's been shown that if you have these radiation periods of two to three, basically five-minute rounds, and if you do a few of those in a row, two, three, four of them, that damages the viruses enough that they are no longer able to contaminate people or surfaces. Does the robot look like a dog or a little person with fake eyes? Um, Those are the two choices we seem to have. A little person with fake eyes is closer, much closer, (laughs) yeah. It Actually, it looks kind of like if you took R2-D2 but got rid of the bottom part of his head and instead put a glass tube there. It's like his head 
top part of his head and then a glass tube and then his body. Ah, UVD2. I love it. Okay. <laughs> now's the part, now's the favorite part of this segment where we get to use a naughty word and ask you to weigh in on the efficacy of certain treatments. So I will ask, UV lights inside or under the skin, is that bullshit? That is bullshit. Do not do that. UV lights in general, in some ways, to combat viruses, is that bullshit? That is not bullshit, and there are some really promising technologies currently being developed. Maria Konnikova is our shining light, even if you can see her, (laughs) unlike the UV. She is the UV and the infrared and the alpha and the omega and the author of The Biggest Bluff, which is out soon. Thank you so much, Maria. Thank you, Mike. And now, the spiel. Today, Donald Trump explained his strategy as regards prophylaxis. But that study was a phony study put out by the VA. Okay, you know what? Who cares? Not worth playing that. Worth playing this. He's our president, and I would rather he not be taking something that has not been approved uh, by the scientist, especially in his age group and in his, shall we say, weight group, what is morbidly obese, they say. They say, people are saying... You know, a lot of people are saying morbidly obese, but are a lot of people right? Well, Trump himself admits... Am I spread out? True, but morbidly obese? Morbidly obese is a phrase that has fallen into disuse because it's a little shamey, but is applied to the man who called Ms. Venezuela an eating machine... And worse, he called me like a Miss Piggy. Yes, Miss Piggy. Maybe we could use the phrase morbidly obese, or can we? Morbid obesity is defined as weighing more than 100 pounds over body weight or having a BMI of 40 or higher. For the six foot three Donald Trump, that would mean weighing well over 300 pounds. So he is not morbidly obese. He's just garden variety obese, or more accurately, Hardy's variety obese. But I have a morbid curiosity with morbidity. First of all, People misunderstand what the word morbid or morbidity means. Maybe it's because of the phrase morbid curiosity. Maybe it's because of the word morbid's association with words like macabre and mortality. People think it's death-related, but it actually means diseased. Mortality and morbidity statistics are death and illness. Having comorbidity means having diseases or conditions. And yes, those diseases could lead to death. In the case of our non-exercising cheeseburger scarfing commander-in-chief, you have to wonder if anything can harm him. And the answer is, of course, no, nothing can. The guy will probably live forever. Guys like him almost always do. And by guys like him, I mean, well, Trump's. Trump's father lived till 93, his mother until 88, but also presidents. Except for the assassinated ones, which tends to cut down the lifespan, presidents do live a lot longer than the average man born in their birth year. Now, a large part of that is this one key fact that you have to be 35 to be president. So what does that mean, you ask? Well, lifespans are sometimes misleading because they're skewed by infant mortality. Once you get to 35, you have a great chance to live until 75. But let's look at even our earliest presidents. The first, George Washington, didn't live that long. He died at the age of 67. Except for the 18th century, and Washington didn't make it out of the 18th century, missed it by 17 days, 67 was living a long life. Life expectancy was under 25 years in the early colony of Virginia. And then after Washington, the next few presidents were just a gaggle of Methuselahs. 
Thomas Jefferson lived to 83, John Adams 90, Monroe 73, but Madison 85. Did you know that after Washington and before Jefferson, America went 26 years without a presidential death? That is a long time for networks to compose their somber presidential death theme music and practice their solemn voices. And now we see President Adams being transported to his final resting place by horse-drawn carriage, as is the custom, because horses are all we have. It's 1826, people. And by people, I mean three people could actually hear me. The average lifespan, and remember the caveats I gave, in 1880 in the United States, 40 years old. By the year 1900, it was up to 50 years old. Woo freaking who. But we had a string of presidents who outlived that, but not by so much that it would be actually impressive. But then for the non-assassinated presidents in the 20th century, lifespan got pretty darn good. Did you know that Herbert Hoover outlived Kennedy? Why? Well, because when Hoover turned 89, he said, I shall not be driving to Dallas in a convertible. So Herbert Hoover died at age 90. In the last 50 years, our deceased presidents have been Truman, age 88, Nixon, who lived to 81, Reagan to 93, Ford to 93, and George H.W. Bush to 94. Now, when you're president, you're generally cared for, you're well off, you're usually trim, well, post-Taft, pre-Trump. You have excellent health care, you have people cooking for you, and people protecting you. Not a bad deal. President Trump doesn't actually have what we would consider many comorbidities, even if Nancy Pelosi diagnoses him differently. Trump doesn't drink, doesn't smoke, seems not to stress out about very legitimate criticisms or the inability to pop above 45% in the approval ratings. So I would say the president is on a healthy trajectory for a long, fruitful life filled with grievance, rage, flag-hugging, consumption of off-brand malaria drugs, and many, many infrastructure weeks to come. And that's it for today's show. Margaret Kelly is the GIST's assistant producer. She's not good at handling money, but if chased, she may lead you to a pot of gold, from what I hear. Daniel Schrader produces the GIST. He enjoys UV, 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 UVA, which is ultimately vapid Uno variations while performing Uncle Vanya at the University of Virginia. The gist. The greatest trade deal of all time? Clearly Earl Monroe for Mike Reardon and Dave Stallworth. The worst? This is a 30-some-odd minute show. Umpru depru dupru, and thanks for listening.